Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Showmans. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christ Church Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and, and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, it's Mother's Day. Sermon title this morning from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1-6 through 6 is, do, God, do good and fear nothing that is frightening. I begin to think through, pray through what we're going to be doing during this season, this gap before we start the book of Ecclesiastes. And I thought today would be a perfect time to preach a specific and topical message to you. And I think that it's safe to say that the best thing that moms can do, the best thing that women who are mothers can do, for their children is to have a good and healthy marriage. A good marriage is one of the best things that you can provide for your children. A dad needs to know this. Being a good dad is essential. Uh, It is essential to have a good marriage. Being a good husband is crucial to being a good father. Being a bad husband will affect your ability to be a good father. Likewise, being a bad wife will affect your ability to be a good mother. And so ladies, I wanna challenge you today unapologetically from God's word with a few things from 1 Peter that God has to say specifically to you. And one of the best things you can do for your children, ladies, or for moms, for women, for young girls who are going to be one day most likely mothers, one of the best things you can do for your children or future children is learn what it means to be a good wife and become a better wife by the grace of God. And so moms, you need to be reminded of the fact that you're one flesh with your husband and not one flesh with your children. Peter writes to the wives of the dispersed church and he speaks to them and he ends all of his, all of his talk to wives by saying, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And that's where the sermon title comes from. If you do good and if you do not fear anything that is frightening. And that's what I want to challenge you to become today. This is not about becoming a Christian. This is to Christian wives already. It's about becoming the type of woman that fears nothing and that is devoted to good works. Now, ladies, let me hear you hear a holler. Do you want to be the type of woman that does good and fears nothing? So I'm going to preach to you God's word today about what God says to you. And ladies, I want you to hear this. I'm not going to stutter. I'm not going to be embarrassed or ashamed. Neither should you. You can handle what God says to you without blushing. I will treat you as an equal because you are. And I will treat you as a woman who can hear what God has to say to her, even if it wars against what society and what culture and what feminism says is true about you. So you're going to hear 200 proof truth about what it means to be a wife today. There's going to be five words we're going to look at in this text. Submit, adorn, obey, do good, and don't fear. Let's first hear from 1 Peter. I kind of thinking, what, what would Peter say? What would the apostles say on a Mother's Day kind of sermon? What would the apostle Peter say? And I think he would say something similar to this. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned these words inerrantly and authoritatively Here's what it says. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When you see their respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in the sight of God, in God's sight, is very precious. 
For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as, so, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Again, this is the word of the Lord. The first word we get to today is the word submit. Submit. It says likewise, likewise wives. We have to know if we read back in this into chapter 2 that we are in a section on submission to authority. And so Peter begins to address the wives and he's within the context of submission to authority and he tells us that wives are in and under authority. Wives be subject to your own husbands. Be subject to your own husbands. Submission. Now, let me just ask you a question. When God is talking to wives, who is he talking to? It's an easy answer. Wives He's talking to wives. This is very important when we get into the biblical text because there are people who want to blur the lines of gender in the Bible. And God doesn't do that. When God is speaking to mankind, meaning male and female, he is speaking to both male and female. But in the Bible, when God is speaking to wives or older women or younger women or older men or younger men or children, he addresses them as such. He speaks to them. And when he's speaking to wives, he's not speaking to husbands. When God is speaking to husbands, he's not speaking to wives. And what God has to say to wives is very specific and it's very clear. Submit. And when God is saying this, and something so obvious, we have to understand that what God says to wives is good and right. What he says to wives is good and right. Wives don't follow Eve's disobedience and reject God's word thinking that you know better. Far be it from us, far be it from the women of this church or women anywhere to turn their nose up to God. What God says to you is good and right and it's wonderful. Now, what the world says, what feminism has catechized us in, and what just culture at large has catechized us in, is saying that what God says here is somehow evil, wrong, manipulative, oppressive, and a bunch of other complete nonsense. Because the world always thinks that their way is better than God's way. And Eve and her daughters have been buying into nonsense like that all the way down through the history of the world. But not you, because you're women who do not fear anything. You love God's word to you. So be subject to your own husbands. Now, hear me say this again. You are one flesh with your husband and not your children. But your husband is the leader of the home. Husbands are told, especially on Father's Day and any specific men's outing, husbands are told all the time that they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I want you to hear me say this. Every man out here, even if you're not married, your commission the rest of your life is to lay your life down for your family and to lead in such a way that your family knows that you love them. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's a very specific love. It's a very impassioned love. It's a very consistent love. That's what men are called to do. Give yourself up for her. Now, wives, your call is to submit to him. Without a stutter, without a hiccup, without God blushing, God's just simply saying, wives, submit to your husbands. He is the leader of the family, and that is a good thing. Now, notice, this is not a conditional command. Meaning, it's not, quote, submit to him if he is leading well, end quote. That's not what God says. Submit to him 
Submit to your husband. Even if your husband is not a Christian, you're called to submit to him because possibly he will be won over without a word by the pure conduct of the wife. You are called to submit. But I got to ask the question, well, what does submission mean? And I have it highlighted here, so I get it right. And I, I'm able to say it to you clearly. Here's what submission means. You are called to submit your way. Wives, hear me say this. You are called to submit your way and to defer to your husband's way. Now, husbands, if you're hearing this and, and, and nudging your wife like this, you're hearing this wrongly because the responsibility that's on your, on your shoulders that God gives you is massive. And so this is not a point of, yeah, baby, I get to watch all the TV I want to watch and I get to do all things that I want to do because God has been clear about your call. But we're not specifically calling, talking about your call today. We're talking to the wives specifically today, that they may be better women and better wives and better, better mothers. Wives, you are called to submit your way and to defer to your husband's way. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't talk it out. It does not mean that you should enable your husband to sin or follow him into sin. There's a lot of things we need to say that, that that doesn't mean fill in the blank, okay? But the call of a wife is clearly one of deferring to her leader. Deferring. Now here's the lie. Upon hearing things like this and upon getting into submission here in a little bit later, Here's the lie that begins to pop up in the hearts of women all across this land and maybe even in your heart right now. The lie of the enemy comes to Eve and as stated, her daughters, and says this, that is not good for you. Ladies, you know better than this. God must be a miser. God should have said it better. He should have said it less controversial. I know better than God knows better for what's good for me. And ladies, hear my heart and hear what God has to say. Those things are lies. This is good and it's good for you. The best version of yourself is not distrusting your husband and demanding your way. The best version of you as a woman of God, as a wife and a mother comes through submitting to your husband because by doing so you're submitting to God. Not him being God, but God telling you what you are called to do. Now, we see that there's power in submission. Submission is not some impotent act. It's a powerful act because we know that Jesus in his submission brought salvation to the people. We see that this is an act of submission in 1 Peter because it says that they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Submission should not, godly submission should not lead to a man trampling on the woman or continuing to walk in sin and disobedience and rebellion. The whole aim at this godly and pure and quiet conduct is this man that he might be one, even without a word, because he is observing the quiet godliness of a woman who loves and fears the Lord. They see the respectful and pure conduct from this wife. And just like Jesus' submission to the Father and how, how powerful it was, not how impotent it was, and how His submission, His obedience to His heavenly Father brought salvation to His people and it continues to bring salvation all across this world, so too, your obedience to God, wives, hear me say this, your obedience to God, rather than you turning your nose up to God, your obedience to Him has power. Defer and to submit to the way of your husband. That's your call. Unless you're being asked to sin, or, or 
you're, you're looking past his abuse of authority. Like if he's abusing his authority, that needs to be reported and needs to be brought to the elders, brought to the authorities. You're not to submit to physical abuse or spiritual abuse. But apart from that, defer your way. The husband, after all, is to love as Christ loved the church. Number one, you're called to submit. Number two, you're called to proper adornment. Proper adornment. Look at verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Before we get the command for what you're supposed to do in your adornment, we are giving a clear do not. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not let your adorning be with external beautifying. Adorning, adorning has to do with beautifying, how you're presenting yourself and what your proper adornment is in your mind and in your heart. When you think of making yourself better or of beautifying yourself, and this is something, ladies, that you can only answer for yourself. This is before you and before God. It's for you and your husband to work through. It's for you and your accountability partner, ladies that you're discipling with, to, to wrestle through and work through. When you think of making yourself better or adorning yourself, is your first impulse, is it external and material or is it internal and spiritual? Let me say this again. If you're writing notes down or taking notes, you can write this question down to think about later. When you think about adorning yourself, making yourself more beautiful, is it first external and material or is it internal and spiritual? Because if the focus of your life is making yourself externally as beautiful as possible, trying to never age, trying it, you're, when you're 45, 55, and 65 to look 20 years younger, if that is your aim, you will fail at that. I mean, just think about, I mean, look at Dolly Parton, for goodness sakes, or anybody else that's an older woman trying to look like a younger woman. They fail every single time. Plastic surgery catches up with you folks. It just does. So they end up failing, but what ends up happening is you also get a shriveled up and rotten heart. And there are countless women like this. There is, there's reality TV shows about women like this who are externally beautiful, but you hear them speak and you, it's just rottenness that comes out of their mouth and out of their lives. Women obsessed with external adornment and they become intolerable people. A woman who is obsessed with her external beauty will not be internally holy. And there's a fine line there. Now, your external beauty is affected when your internal beauty is the focus. I want you to hear me say that. Only you can answer this. Like I said, is your attention, where is it? Don't let your adornment be external like in hair, jewelry, or clothing. Hair, jewelry, or clothing. Like gold, jewelry, hair, and clothing. Now, this isn't as much about these particular items as it is about the aim of your adornment. How are you trying to adorn yourself, to make yourself beautiful? Now, I think this has been misunderstood by many. It doesn't mean that you are to present yourself as ugly as possible on the outside. Well, if I'm not supposed to adorn myself externally, but I'm supposed to be more focused on the internal, a lady could say, well, I'm going to just look completely disheveled at all times. I'm going to look as ugly as possible on the outside, so then 
people will, will see how holy I am or somehow that's some, some sort of mark of holiness. Here's the, uh, here's the other way. If that's your, the pendulum swing, if that's your thought from this passage, then you're also, if you're always presenting yourself, ladies, as ugly on the outside, that's representative of what's going on on the inside. A woman who fails to do anything externally is revealing that there's something wrong internally. Because if you clean the outside of the cup, it doesn't ensure that the inside's going to be clean. But if, you, if, the, if the inside is clean, what comes out is also clean. And so a woman who is concerned with internal adornment, she will have a radiance about her, a beauty about her that's so intangible. She will be well kept. She will be externally prettier than if she was just consistently focusing on her external body. An inside-out beauty. You can't necessarily put your finger on it, but you can recognize when it's not there. And when it is there, it's a beautiful thing because it comes out externally. Women who focus their adornment on the inside, on the inside, are also end up being beautiful on the outside. The heart. It's the same with beauty, the heart. Let it be the heart internally. Here's your focus, lady. When you, ladies, when you think about becoming more beautiful or when your attention goes to beauty, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you with the internal, just deep down inside of you, the core of who you are. Make yourself beautiful from the inside out through, the text says, a gentle an imperishable beauty that can't go grow old, that is gentle and a quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit. And here's what God says to us. A woman with a gentle and quiet spirit and a healthy heart is a precious thing in the sight of God. And that kind of beauty, that's imperishable. That's imperishable. Friends, you know women like this. Where you just recognize there is, that is a beautiful soul. And I'll tell you this about every man here. Men, you know this to be true. You want your wives to be pretty from the inside out. To have a wife that looks good, but has rottenness in her bones, gets old really quick. It gets old really quick. Ladies, your call, wives, your call, your path to being a better woman, your path to being more Christ-like, your path to being a better woman, wife, and mother comes through the adornment of the heart, the beautifying of the heart from the inside out. And the, the, the benefit of that is you will become an externally more beautiful woman that way. Submission and adornment. You know, it's amazing. We get an example here where Paul, I mean, excuse me, the apostle Peter begins to give us an example and he, he, he points us to this woman, Sarah, Abraham and Sarai, or Abram and Sarai, and they change their names to Abraham and Sarah. And I want you to see this beautiful example, and we get back into this word submission again. But, but look at verse 5. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. So there's the theme again still, adornment. And then back to submission. By submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Sarah gets brought into this as an example of a woman of old. And Peter is saying to the wives who have been marched out of Jerusalem or ran out of Jerusalem because of the persecution that hit the city, he's saying to them, hey, be like Sarah. She is a great example of a woman 
who is beautiful inside and out. And we all know Sarah. We know her story. She had some bumps in the road. Remember the whole Hagar thing? Hey, Abraham, you should uh, go sleep with uh, Hagar so that way the line can continue. And that ended up going really bad, and it ended up going really bad for her as well. But here she's given as this positive example of submission to husbands. And ladies, if you have lacked spiritual growth over the years, if you have been frustrated by some of the slowness of, of your spiritual growth, and you look back over your life and you feel maybe stuck or feel like you've just hit a wall or you've just there's a ceiling and you just can't break through it, you, you just, you're, you're frustrated. If you've lacked spiritual growth, it may simply be because of a refusal to submit to your husband. It may be that the delay, the stint in your spiritual growth is a simple disobedience to God because of a refusal to submit to your, to your husband. But that's not how the holy women of old who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. They adorned themselves by submission. The focus of a wife should be more on godly submission to your husband than on making your external appearance beautiful. Now I want you to notice the heart of Sarah. What did Sarah do? What were her actions that were mentioned by the apostle? Well, she hoped in God. She submitted to her husband. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. We get to this next word, obedience, obedience. She obeyed her husband. Now talk about something that doesn't fly in the PC world, right? I mean, if you just put this verse on Facebook, you know, like uh, uh, Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and just didn't make any comments about it. I, I said this to the guys at the intensive this week. What, what if you just made a comment on Facebook and just left it there? This is kind of a verse like that where you just put it up and uh, I'll tell you, Okay, I mean, it's kind of the response of the, of the general public if you took the pulse of women all across this land. Again, God doesn't stutter. And He doesn't say things that are bad for us. This is, good for, this is a positive example. This is, this is portrayed as a positive example. And it's going to sound odd to our ears, but, the, but this is God speaking. And we aren't going to be ashamed. You know, a passage in Luke 9 if any of you is ashamed of me and my words, of you I'll be ashamed before my Father in heaven. Christians don't get the liberty of being ashamed by God's word. We love God's word. And you women here in this parking lot, you're not, you're not afraid of anything. You're definitely not afraid of God's word. You love God's word, right? We got a whole horn honk out there. Amen. You're not afraid of God's word. Notice that she obeyed. Um, here, here's the deal. I'm going to speak sternly for just a second. Many women and men shut down when we get to verses like this. And for the church, it's sad, many Christians shut down when we get to verses like this. By Christians who say they affirm the authority of the Bible, and they say they affirm inerrancy, we get to verses like this, and we just kind of like, we get scared and run away. How dare we? Who are we to think and know better than God? Honestly. Here's what it says. When we don't want to mock God by thinking that way. When you hear this verse, we should hear it with joy just like we do John 3.16. We should hear it with joy just like we do any of our favorite verses. Sarah obeyed calling Him Lord. Here's what this means. Sarah knew her place. She knew her place in the marriage and willingly acknowledged Abraham's authority. Sarah knew her place and willingly acknowledged Abraham's authority. 
Now, remember Sarah spoke her mind. Remember at times she stepped out of her authority and directed Abraham and told him what to do. The whole Hagar incident, it went really, really bad. And when Sarah did that, she acted out of line and she didn't act as the text is saying that she acted in a majority of her life. She knew her place. The point of this verse is that Sarah eventually got it right and she knew her place. She submitted to her husband and she knew that she was under Abraham's authorities, uh, authority. Now, some of you women might be thinking, wives might be thinking, future wives might be thinking, well, you look over at your husband and think, can I really submit to him as my Lord-like authority? Well, the text assumes you can because it says you're not going to be afraid of anything. It tells us, again, this is not about being Christian. This is about being a kind of woman, a kind of woman like Sarah from old, a kind of woman that is so much stronger than the women that's portrayed as strong in our society today. For somehow or another, Beyonce and Shakira are looked at as women of power in our world. They know nothing. They have nothing compared to women like Sarah. Nothing compared to women like you who want to obey God and honor God and not dishonor him and call it power. Be like Sarah. You are, you are her daughters, it says. 1 Peter 3. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. We're ending where we began. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Ladies, there are countless millions of women who are willing to act like men and raise their feminist banner with their fist held high, but are scared to death to honor God by submitting to their husbands. Scared to death. They refuse to do it. We will not honor God. We will walk in our own way. And they walk right in line with Eve. And they stick their nose up at God and they say, we know best. As they take their clothes off on TV. But not you. Ladies, hear me say this. Not you. In our church family, and I give you this promise. Ladies, I apologize to you a couple, about a year and a half ago in our series on being human. I apologize to you because I said I was scared of you. I was scared because I didn't want to go here. If I went here, I wanted to apologize for God to passages like this. I wanted to somehow make it as soft as possible so that you would, you would receive it, but kind of be apologetic. Like, oh, but really, it's not as it sounds. It's really not that good. You know, it's really, it's not that bad. And, and I was foolish and sinful, and I will not be like that for you. I will speak to you as an equal, as a woman created in the image of God, who by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit can hear God's word to you, and you can love it. And you can walk in obedience. And you can say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. That's who I'm going to be. You are the kind of women who look at the world and look at God's word, and you say, the world is crazy, not God's word is crazy. Let me say it again. You are the kind of women who look at the world and not God's word, and you look at the world and say, God's, the, the world is crazy. God's word is right. That's good. And so I'm going to be like Sarah. Ladies, be like Sarah. Stop being afraid. The God of the universe is your heavenly Father. What do you have to fear? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be anxious. Be like Sarah. Do good and fear nothing. 
Now let's end with some grace bombs. How about that? Because when I tell you don't fear anything, some of you can start being afraid that you're called to not fear anything. It's just like men and women who struggle with anxiety and Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. And then the anxiety begins to rise because I'm anxious about being told not to be anxious. So with all of this, as we're forging ahead, as ladies, as you are kind of just marching ahead saying, we're going to be like Sarah. I don't care about being like Beyonce. I need some grace to walk this road. Just like men need grace to walk the road of laying their lives down for their wives, you need grace to submit and adorn yourself from the inside out. Ladies, mothers, I want you to hear this. On Mother's Day, on Mother's Day of all days, let me hear this. I want you to hear this loud and clear. Your life on your own, hear me say this, ladies, you deserve hell. For all of your efforts, for everything in your life that you've done, just like men, just like anybody who's ever been born, you need a Savior. You cannot save yourself, and you cannot walk this Christian road on your own. You deserve wrath, not grace. You didn't earn God's grace simply by being a woman. God doesn't recognize and say, well, white male patriarchy, they're all evil. Every man has had all these privileges, and anybody who's underprivileged like women, they get and they deserve all the grace. You don't deserve anything from God. Nothing. And yet, ladies, I want you to hear how kind your heavenly Father is, even though you were born a rebel with a selfish cause, but God he has loved you. He has saved you. He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He has made you not just a less than heir of all things. He has made you an heir of equal standing to anybody who is in Christ. And every male that's ever been walking in Christ, you are beloved of the Father and you deserved none of it. He saved you with His mighty right hand. He opened your eyes and set your feet upon the rock. He saved you apart from works done by you in righteousness. You can trust Him. Don't be like Eve. You don't know better. Instead, instead, in gratitude for God's trustworthiness, for His kindness, for His grace and His mercy. Ask God today, as you're driving home, as you're talking with your husband, as you're praying about being a better mom, or one day wife and mom, ask God to help you to be one of Sarah's daughters. Help you, to help you to be like Sarah. When women and mothers are obedient to God, when women and wives are obedient to God, they become better mothers. If you want to be a, a better mother, obey God, and you will be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I pray for anybody here today that does not know you, that does not know you, man, woman, child who does not know you, I pray today you would open their eyes. They would see how desperately they need their sins forgiven. Life is not guaranteed. Just like we see with our friend Darren, Today could be our last day. Tomorrow could be our, our last day. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, if there's anybody watching online who does not know you, I pray that you would grant them repentance and they would repent of their sins and they would trust in you. And for all the women that have been listening in, God, I pray that you would open up a new way of existence for them, a way that's the ancient path, that's the old way, the way the women of old used to live. God, help them to become ancient women and to look at modern women and call them out of it into the good way, the right way, the old way.
the way you're calling them to li live. God, I thank you that these women here don't just say they believe your word is good, they actually believe your word is good. Help every man here to lead and to love in the way God has called them to lead and to love. And I pray that every woman here would call them and every wife would, would submit and walk out in the way that God has called them to submit and walk out their lives. Lead us as we sing. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.